My name is Jason Tharp, and you're listening to The Slapcast. Well, well, good morning, afternoon, whenever the heck you're listening to this podcast. This is The Slapcast. I'm Shannon Lee. I'm your host. I do this podcast as a part of my work at Relay, a professional development organization based in Columbus, Ohio. I run that organization as the executive director, and I have lots of fun doing so. If you want to connect with us in between these podcasts, you can do that with us on the socials. We're found at Relay Leadership. Subscribe and share this podcast, please. You can find it anywhere podcasts are found. And please feel free to reach out to me directly via email, and that's slapcast at relayleadership.com. Now, today's guest, his name is Jason Tharp. He is an author, illustrator, creator, and dreamer. And when you guys listen to him, you're going to know how, you're going to understand how he fills those uh, descriptors perfectly. He's a super talented guy who also loves unicorns. (laughs) You'll have to listen to the whole podcast to get that context. Jason has a ton of published children's books, the most notable being the Peachy and Keen series. He speaks to elementary students all over the place about bullying and embracing their own uniqueness. Needless to say, Jason is a multi-talented, interesting guy, and I cannot wait for you to meet him. All right. Welcome back to the Slapcast, everyone. Again, today's guest is... Oh, sorry. I skipped ahead. Sorry. I mean, I went backwards. Jason, (laughs) my man. (laughs) I'm so glad to have you on the Slapcast today. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Awesome. Awesome. Listen, I always like to start out by giving the audience some background. I met you through a mutual friend. I cannot remember who. Justin. Oh, thank you. I could not remember for the life of me. I'm like, what in the world? The connector of many people. He really is. He really, really is. Okay. So we got introduced and I'm like, anyone that he wants me to meet, I'm going to meet. So we get together. I think it was at the Powell Starbucks. Yep. For those of you outside, for our millions of listeners outside of central, (laughs) Powell is a suburb of Columbus, Ohio. And, um, Long story short, we decided I thought you were cool. You thought I was cool. I mean, obviously. I mean, is there a question? That's right. Um, But we decided just to stay in touch. There wasn't really a plan. Um, But it wasn't fake. Like, we were like, this is, you know, how you just know people that you want to have in your life, you want to stay connected to, both personally and professionally. You were one of those people for me. And um, we've just stayed in touch. And I don't even remember how long ago that was. Has it been a year yet or almost a year? It's got to be close to. I'm not really sure either. When's our anniversary, Jason? (laughs) We should have marked it on the calendar. I know. (laughs) I want gifts. Right. I want a Facebook post. Right. What's the first year anniversary gift for friendship? For friendship. I don't know. Uh, High fives? Yeah. I like that. I like that. It's got to be some unicorn related. No. Um, So... Uh, in all seriousness, though, you have a very compelling, and I'll even add, important story. Um, I'd love for our audience to learn more about you. Mm-hmm. Kind of, and what I'm talking about is going back to your childhood because sure. that really gives the context to really your life's work. Mm-hmm. And so, if you could kind of take us back and then bring us forward a little bit to what you're doing now and how your childhood, how your past, really influenced that. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, for me. Growing up, I knew at a really, really early age what I wanted to do. Um, you know, 
back when Saturday morning cartoons were a thing, I used to uh, record the Saturday morning cartoons with the VCR and I would pause when like my favorite characters came on the screen and I would put paper over the screen and I would trace off the characters <laughs> as they would come through the TV, you know, like a, like a light table basically. Yeah. And I was just obsessed with it. And my dad had told me one time that people got paid to do that. And, you know, as a kid at six, I'm thinking like, this is a job, like this is what I want to do. So I decided then I was going to be a professional baseball player. I was going to make cartoons and be a storyteller when I grew up. And I stuck with it. I mean, it didn't matter. (laughs) Any age, you would ask me, my eighth grade guidance counselor pulled me in and said, what are you going to be when you grow up? I said, I'm going to be a cartoonist or a professional baseball player. He told me I wasn't going to mount anything because all I did was draw all of everything. Um, I was just obsessed. You know, fourth, fifth grade was... uh, really those years where when you talk about bullying, like it was bullying to like a different level for me. Um, You know, dark time, bad stuff happened, you know, dark thoughts enter where you start to realize that like, you know, an easy way to put this is you think of all the classrooms you've been in your, however long you've been around, you can kind of think of small details. You were being bullied. I was, you were not the bully. I was being bullied. I could tell you, (laughs) we don't have bullies on the slap cast, right? I could tell you, every detail about those rooms because it was such a huge impact on me. So, you know, fast forward to adulthood where I graduate high school, I go to art school. Um, and I decided that, uh, I was going to eat my feelings, um, versus deal with them. And, uh, I ended up going from like 175, 175 pounds to almost 400 pounds. And it was just then where I, it's the first ping off a rock bottom where you kind of go like, all right, something's got to change here. My wife dried my pants and I couldn't leave the house. She had to go to Walmart and buy me sweatpants to leave so I could like do function, you know? And I just decided at that point in time that I was going to fix it. And that's what I did. I mean, I I was able to like drop weight and I did all this stuff. This was when fat, the fat free thing was huge. Oh yeah. And all it did was get me addicted to sugar. Mm -hmm. Um, but it worked, right. I just replaced a lot of sugar with less calories and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and then I went into the corporate world and, and, uh, you know, brought in all of that crap from a kid and then, um, failed a bunch and then decided that enough was enough. And I decided to give my own dreams a try. And at 40, where I was financially busted, should have filed bankruptcy. I had failed three times. Uh, it was pretty much my back was against the wall. I decided that, well, maybe my point, and I, and I contexted in with this question of wonder. I wonder if everything that up until this point, it's my actions that have gotten me to where I'm at. And I decided then to say, as a 40-year-old, 41 at that time, I'm going to start saying no to everything a 41-year-old would say yes to and yes to everything a six-year-old. So I went all in on what I wanted to be when I was six. I I know this isn't what your point is, but I don't think I ever knew how old you were, and I can't believe you're older than 41 now. I'm 42. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All that happened in the last 12 months. Yes, yes, yeah. A lot of aging happened in this year. <laughs> you look great. <laughs> Your photo will be posted with right. this so people will know what I'm talking about. That you don't you don't look, you know, I don't I don't look my age either. At least I'm told right. that. But um I got lucky that I, I look okay without hair. No, seriously, I thought you were in your thirties. I <laughs> no, really did. No. I really, really did. Um, I feel like I'm in my teens, but you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> 
See, that's the secret. As you get older yeah. on the inside, you still feel like a kid yeah. or at least a, or at least an older right. teen. Yeah. I, I totally did not feel when I know I'm 42, but I have a kid graduating high school this year. So now right. it's like, wow, I really am older. Like exactly. y- you're like, you have to face it. Like you're forced. It's different. Cause like you see other people with kids and you're like, Oh, that's a kid kid. Like, no, I have an adult now. Yeah. yeah. No more kid kids. <laughs> right. No more kid kids. Yeah. The reality hit me when the, the kids are all out now. And my daughter called me one day from her house. She lives on a, in a house in a, on campus mm-hmm. and it was her first year out of the house. And her first phone call to me after being out for a few weeks was asking me, how do I cook chicken. <laughs> so the questions totally change from, you know, can I borrow 10 bucks right. to, can you take me to work to how do I cook this? And how, you know, she's asked me, you know, how do I get stains out of my clothes? I mean, like, I'm like, what is happening <laughs> I wasn't ready, for, but it's kind of fun. Right. It's kind of fun. Different problems. They actually to solve. need you again. They actually do, but yeah. in a different way, right. in a different way. Talk about how all of that influenced what and we're going to move on to lots of stuff that you're doing, but I want to pause and talk a little bit about the books. Uh-huh. So you're a published children's author. Yep. And I know there are other, was I correct when I said that Peachy and Keen is the the most popular line? If I don't know if that's the correct Yeah, I would say right now because it's, the only, it's really the only ones that are out. Okay. There's a okay. bunch in the works. Okay. So yeah. I found some, a couple others online yes. and I just, but the Peachy and Keen were the ones I was most familiar yeah, with. Yeah. So for those of you out there that have kids working in elementary school, you've seen this on your scholastic list. Mm-hmm. That was one of my favorite things to do as a yes. kid is to get my thing and order yeah. my scholastic. Do they still have like that newspaper yeah. ordering? Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it totally. Yes. They had that when I was a kid. Yeah, they still have it. Do you do um, any scholastic events? I, I do every once in a while. They do like the, this thing called Mary, my very own library where they team up with like the uh, United Way. Oh, okay. You kind of go into like an inner city school. Um, I was in Milwaukee and I was in Delaware this year. And they, uh, it's like kids that really just don't have any books and just kind of go and do an event there, a speaking thing. And and then they get the books. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So how did your, your history and kind of what you just shared, how did that influence what, how do you come up with these ideas? Uh Like that are interesting to kids because kids I think are a pretty picky audience. Yeah. Well, for, you know, in all honesty, like what, for me, what it was the spark of all of it was I just sat down and said, what do I wish that somebody would have told me when I was at the lowest in fourth and fifth grade where I felt like, you know, fourth and fifth grade, I had glasses this like literally the size of my face. They went from my <laughs> eyebrows to the top of my lips. They were gigantic, <laughs> right? And I was at a private school with kids that had tons of money. And I was a kid that my parents worked really hard. We just didn't have money, right? So it, it, I was the target. Add on top of it the fact that I also knew what I wanted to do. And I was a chubby kid. There you go. So yeah. I was just like the brunt of all of it, right? But I always felt different. And I couldn't understand why I felt different. And I didn't really have any teachers at that time that like, I was a kid that would get put in the hallway because I couldn't sit still. Um, I would draw all of everything. I would, now we just medicate right, those kids. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, I, could, I just wanted to tell everybody about this ideas. Mm-hmm. And um, so really when I sat down and to, to write books, it is this idea of how can I convey to a kid the most important message, which is it's okay to be different than everybody else. And then you just find the type of character that could tell that story for you. 
And, you know, with Peach and Keen, it happens to be a cat and a dog. But you look at it from a personal standpoint is that the cat represents a person that's doing everything that they can all the time. They're just staying busy, but they forget to enjoy life. Keen, the dog, if you see him in the book, he's always dressed up. And when he's dressed like a character, he believes he is that thing. So his favorite costume is a dinosaur costume. He thinks he's a dinosaur. <laughs> Even though he's a teacup poodle, mm -hmm. he thinks he's a dinosaur. <laughs> but he teaches Peachy that you've got to live life and enjoy it and all that stuff like that. So it's kind of like a good yin and yang kind of thing. And they teach each other. But reality is it's one complete person. If you really kind of step back as an adult and look through that filter. That's super cool. Um, so yeah, stuff like that. So... What do you talk about then when you, you go, I, I feel like I follow you on all the social yeah. media channels. I feel like you're at a different elementary school every four hours. Yes. And <laughs> I feel that way too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause when you go to a school, you do two, three, four sessions, There's maybe three. It's the whole school. Okay. Yeah. So three, usually, usually sometimes four. Okay. So you're hitting every grade level. Yep. Is it kindergarten? Yeah. Kindergarten through, through fifth, fifth or sixth, yep. depending? Depending on the school, but mostly okay. K through five. Yeah. Okay. And so what are you talking to these kids about? How do you keep their attention? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, obviously kindergarten, first grade, it's, it's hurting cats. So you're, you're getting you're through, just getting through right? it. <laughs> you're kind of going through it a little quicker to get to the drawing part. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, but usually what it is, is I, I, I give them a quick little story of myself to kind of give them context of like, you know, I know what it's like to be your age, even as an old guy. I know mm -hmm. what it's like to be your age. And there's five things that I hit with, with the kids I talk about. I talk to them about dreaming big. I talk to them that they're free to be who they are, that they don't have to apologize for liking something different than their friends. I explain the importance of their words and how their words matter. Um, and that you got to care big time for other people, just random acts of kindness. I use the unicorn effect for that. And then I talk about being unique. And that's where I kind of use the unicorn to unify the whole system, is, which is that your story as an individual is the magic you bring to the world. And you can put little bits of that sprinkles of magic on other people just by seeing them and just saying hi and just seeing them for who they are. So... Right now, for the because this is not a video, Jason has on a shirt that is black with purple writing. It's a unicorn, mm -hmm. and it says "Kindness is magical." And he brought me a bumper sticker that says "Sprinkle Kindness." Yes. And um, every time I see you, you have a different positive, magical unicornish <laughs> T-shirt on. Yeah. Um, and something you love to say is, um, "Be the weird." Yeah, be the weird you want to see in the world. Right. And yeah. so that's something that you communicate to the kids. And the reason why I'm pinging on that is because. I have said for years, and I wish I would have known this when I was that age, mm -hmm. but I've said for years that the big secret is that we all feel weird on the inside, but nobody's willing to admit it, yes. right? Right. All of us feels different. We all go through either temporary or even sustained times of self-doubt, of feeling like we don't fit in, mm -hmm. that we're almost too unique for this world and the, the real truth is everybody feels like that. Right, right. And I think even more so when you're a kid and I would have loved to have had a voice in my life that was relatable like you are yeah. to those kids to be able to say those kinds of things to just make it okay. Right. The other thing I want to say is my son, terrific artist, we knew um, when he was like four or five years old that he would bring us things and we were like, mm -hmm. this looks like it might be kind of good. Is this good? I mean, am I biased because I'm his mom or right. I mean, this is good, you know? And teachers would complain all the time to us and 
again, said he wasn't paying attention and yet you would see his homework and in the, and in the margins, I mean, I'm talking around the whole paper of a worksheet, there'd be all of these really cool, intricate drawings, you know, and yet he wouldn't get any work done. Well, he's in school now. He'll graduate in a year with a degree of in industrial design and he's going into the entertainment industry in designing, uh, characters and things for movies. That's awesome. And so I just want to go eh, right. to those teachers like, nah, nah, you know, you know what you're talking about. Now right. he did have several teachers, including his art teacher that was very encouraging. Right. And she was like, don't listen to the naysayers. Right. He has a talent. He has a gift. He'll find his place eventually. Mm-hmm. And he did. Right. Um, it wasn't until high school, mm-hmm. but um, the folks over here at Olentangy Orange High School, they're really good at plugging kids into their kind of like their tribe. And um, they did that for him when we moved up here. But anyway, I wanted to bring that out because it's such a, um, to some, it might seem like an overly simplistic message, but I don't think that it is. I think that it's for a kid hearing that is actually kind of a complex idea. Mm -hmm. How do you take it? How do you take what is complex to a kid and really simplify it to where you know, I know you can't know for sure that they're having an aha moment, but I'm mm-hmm. sure you have kids that oh, yeah. you can tell are responding to this. Yeah. Like, how do you do that so that they're really catching on to this idea of their uniqueness is okay? You know, it's funny because one of the things I, I feel like I do have a, a talent of my intuition's really strong. And I typically ask the teacher or guidance counselor, whoever is standing by, like, what's, who's the kid in here that's the hardest to deal with? Mm. And I kind of make that like, and I ask that because it's, to me, it's almost like a personal like mission that I'm going to get that, I'm going to connect with that kid. But what I do is I, I walk back and forth with the kids. I get down on their level. I talk to them. I don't, I don't talk at them. I talk with them. Right. And I do things that I think will be something that they can relate to, like to explain having a bad day. Right. I ask them, you know, simple. Can you guys relate to this? I don't say, I woke up, I got pulled over, I got all this. I say, I woke up today, I lost my right shoe. I can't <laughs> find my homework, and I was supposed to get that permission slip signed. I came downstairs, mom's dealing with the baby, and dad's already gone because he had a meeting or he's out of town for business or whatever. And she's, mom is freaking out, and I just heard the bus pull away, and now she's got to drive me. And the whole way, I hear her saying how this always happens, and I can't believe it. And I feel like I caused problems. And all of a sudden, I feel like I'm just getting to school and I'm having a bad day because I feel like I always ruin everything. And I, and I just asked the kids, can anybody relate to that? Does that? Has anybody ever had a bad day? And of course, every kid raises their hand. And then I pick a kid in the front and I ask him their name. I said, you know, like, let's say Shannon. Shannon had a different day. I was definitely right. in the front, right. so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon woke up with like her favorite song playing in her head. She did backflips all the way to the bathroom. She brushed her teeth. She's singing into her hairbrush. She's having her cocoa pebbles didn't has never tasted this good, right? <laughs> and I explained this idea, and this is where the unicorn effect comes into play, where as I'm coming into school and I'm beating myself up and I'm talking bad about myself and all this stuff, I see Shannon and Shannon does one tiny thing that changes my whole day. And she just says hi and smiles and sees me because for the first time today, somebody saw me. And that's the point with the kid. It's not a massive thing you have to do sometimes. And it's adults too, not just kids. Kids just want to be seen. And if you can set that in a way that they can understand and it's actionable, they can do right then and there. They can leave 
after I'm done talking and it's simple. All I can do is smile and say hi and I can change. Yeah, I'm in, you know, and that's, and it's, everybody wants to be complex with kids. Kids are the same, whether I'm talking to an adult or a kid, it's the same message. People just want to be seen. They want to be like, yeah, I'm, I may be different, but like, I still want you to see me. Yeah. And, um, I think a lot of times people don't, they, they, they just ignore that even with themselves, you know, and things like that. So it's just, it's really about how could you explain it to a kindergartner, Yeah, even to adults. That's what I do. Do the kids get a chance to talk to you, like to ask you questions? Oh, yeah. What do they typically ask? <laughs> like, I, I bet that can go, a, could go off the rails. Yes. So <laughs> but what do you get asked? My favorite, with I always ask the kindergarten first graders and the teachers kind of roll their eyes. But to me, it's my favorite because they never ask a question. It's a statement. <laughs> like, I got a dog. I got, they they want to tell me everything about their life. But usually what the questions are is like, you know, how, uh, you know, how long you've been doing this? How do you come with your characters? You know, things like this. But the best questions I were, were asking, where you really, where I knew that I was on to something was when I had a kid say to me, what do you do when nobody believes in what you're doing? Aww. And it's like, man, that's deep, right? Then I had another kid say, you know, I did an inner city school and this kid come up to me and he said, how did you go to college when you were poor? You know, and it's like these kids, they're, we think that they don't think the big picture, right? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I stand in front of the kids and I tell them, I'm going to let you in an adult secret. We don't know what we're doing either. <laughs> And that's so true. And when you're when you're just authentic with a kid and just saying like you know, like I don't know what the heck I'm doing either, man. It's okay, like you know. But like we also as adults forget that the world affects kids also, mm -hmm. even more so now because social media and all this other stuff they're exposed to. So it is taking that moment and just like kind of recognizing him, like it's okay, like everything will be fine. And it's those questions that you get asked like that, that make you go like, okay, they're thinking about bigger picture stuff. Cause I worried about, am I talking too far above their head? And when you get those questions or you get people that kids will come up to me afterwards. Um, some of the best stuff that's happened is that um, I did a school, this would probably been in February. And I saw this girl in the back and she's crying. We're doing drawings, we're drawing unicorns. And I explained at the beginning of it, like you guys aren't gonna draw like me and that's okay. And I don't want you to. That's the whole point. I'm showing you something to try. And she's crying and I can tell that something's bothering her. And what sucks is this happens at the beginning. <laughs> and I want to pause and go and see what's up. So I wait until after we're done. And, she, and I beeline back there and I just say, like, you know, is she okay? And, of course, she was, she was embarrassed because she couldn't draw like me. So... You know, I brought her up with me and we sat down and I redrew a picture just for her. And I explained to her just that it's, you know, I didn't draw like this when I was your age. And that, you know, it turned out that she was just struggling because she felt different than everybody else. And I just had a conversation with her. And then afterwards, she gives me this huge hug and she goes from a crying kid to like smiling. And the teachers, it flips on them because now the teachers are crying because they see a real connection with the kid because somebody that's from the outside took two minutes to have a conversation with this kid and just to see what's wrong, you know? Yeah. And I'm so interested in this part of your work, particularly because, um, the first 10 years of my career was in elementary mm -hmm. education. I was a teacher and this is not an indictment on te teachers have a very difficult job. They have so many different learning 
abilities and styles in their room. So this is not to be critical of teachers. In general, however, I will say, what I notice when I work with teachers, because I do a few in-services, is for some teachers... It's the lack of willingness to connect like that. Mm-hmm. I understand you can't pause for a half hour and talk to every kid one-on-one every day. Right. That's not practical. But all too often, kids are coming into the classroom with unseen, unmet needs. Mm-hmm. And while the teacher can't meet all that, those needs, the, the, that act of empathy mm-hmm. can go so much further because what it communicates to that kid is I'm important right. or that right. I think to the kid, I think you're important. Right. You know, I may not be able to solve all your problems. I may not, you know, completely understand, but I, to your point, I see you, right. you right. matter. And I feel like there's so much, and, and it's not, um, it's not about fault because teachers have a lot of pressure put on them with state standards and all that kind of stuff. And it's a multifaceted issue, sure. but I feel like there's less and less connection. Do you get teachers asking you things and approaching you about situations and asking even for input, help, advice, et cetera? Yeah. I mean, a lot of, it's really amazing. Like the, what happens after the presentation? Cause there always is that doubt. Like, did I do a good job? And then I get the teachers that will come up and, you know, a lot of it is just like you said, I mean, I, I tell teachers all the time, like it, it is amazing to me. I don't know how they do it every day. It's it's yeah. it's crazy. And, you know, uh, the thing is, though, is that even with the kids, and I try to, uh, to draw context with the kids, is to tell them that at the end of it, I have them make a promise to me that they'll take care of their teachers because their teachers also need some magic sometimes, too. Because that's the other part is that the kid needs to understand that the teacher has stuff going on in their world, too. So... I, I definitely get like the teachers that will come up to me afterwards and say like, Hey, can you come talk to this kid? And it's usually the teacher that wants to empathize with that kid, but doesn't know how to connect. Yeah. And to me, that takes a different level of bravery than most because to recognize your shortcomings and ask for help is hard. And so like those teachers are the ones that typically will come up or I'll have the teacher that is usually like the, uh, the black sheep at the school that will be the one that's doing all the stuff that they shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Like, you know, like one teacher was like, we open up the wall. It's a shared classroom, but we're not supposed to do that. But it's improved all the kids like socially and all this stuff like that. And they're learning more. So like it, I'm like the rebel, I guess, teachers <laughs> is what I get more from. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely, I definitely get a mix of kids, teachers that come up. A lot of the teachers just come up afterwards and like, wow, I wasn't expecting that from an author visit, you know, um, things of that nature. But I like that connectivity. And just to kind of connect a dot for the audience, one of the reasons, you know, Relays a Servant Leadership Organization, the loose focus of this program is servant leadership in action, you know, in everyday lives. And um, one of the reasons why I wanted you on the program is you know, we don't go into teaching people, quote unquote, the 18 attributes of servant leadership. But from ac- from an academic standpoint, there are 18 attributes that, hmm. you know, people smarter than me have right. developed. Okay. One of those is encouragement. Hmm. Now I could list a bunch more that I feel that you operate in, but encouragement stands out so much to me because your message really at the end of the day, ultimately is really encouraging both teachers and students to step into their uniqueness, to appreciate each other, be more empathetic with one another. And that is one of the servant leadership attributes is encouragement. Now, how does this unicorn Mm -hmm. factor in 
to encouragement and to your whole model with these students. And then after that, we're going to talk a little bit about us, as I say, big year olds. Right. <laughs> but talk to us about the unicorn and encouraging and, and the drawing process and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Well, you know, it's it, it kind of the easy way with the kids. It's like a unicorn. Everybody wants to believe in a unicorn, right? And it's that rare thing. Mm-hmm. So for a kid, it's an easy kind of thing because it represents magic, right? And if I'm talking about chasing some big, crazy dream, you're chasing a unicorn, right? Because the reality is that, like, I know that wanting to do what I wanted to do at six and to grow up and be 42 and actually doing it is like catching a unicorn. It's not easy, right? Yeah. So if you can use some sort of thing that they can easily connect the dots, again, it's back to just simple, basic stuff. They, they can connect the dot to magic. It's different, but I can, maybe they're real, right? It's like that little thing, that, like <laughs> it could be possible. There's horses. So maybe <laughs> there could be unicorns. And then, you know, when I have them draw one, I just use it to like, because it, it really, I use it to represent them as individual. At the end, I talk about their unique story, right? Because that's the magic that they bring to their life, right? Which is where the unicorn, the mm-hmm. sprinkles and stuff like that. But then when they draw it, I have them draw it. And I use that to explain. I ask them, like, does yours look like mine? Of course, it doesn't. I say, does yours look like somebody's next to you? Of course, it doesn't. And I explain it. This is proof that we all look at life differently. All I did was just show you how to make a unicorn. But you created your version of Mm -hmm. that through what you saw and how you translated it to your life. Some kids are really creative and they get pretty close. Some kids are more analytical and they don't, right? So it's like- (laughs) That would have been me. (laughs) It's a a great way just to kind of get the kid to do something that they think that they can't do. But at the end of the day, every one of them want to show it to me. It's important that they try, right? Right, right. They're proud of what they did. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That gives them an instant takeaway too, right? Right. right. Um, Now, you've been working on something really special that you shared with me. I can't remember if it was this year or late last year, Um, but you're working on something for us adults. You, um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but in my words, I would say you were trying to figure out how to capture this magic and help adults. Because us adults, I would actually even argue that the older we get, the harder it gets to imagine that unicorn right. for ourselves, right. right? We're thinking about bills. Right. We've got the mortgage. We've got a, you know, we've got a significant other. We've got kids, you know, and all these things take over and the magic kind of dissipates from our life and just everydayness takes over. Mm-hmm. And so you felt inspired by that. So without saying any more, can you tell us a little bit about what you've got going now right. that's going to help people like me and others, people like Jonathan, yeah. start to believe in ourselves and really chase after those seemingly impossible dreams. Right. Well, you know, for me, it, it, it again, it goes back to the unicorn. Um, <laughs> it, this idea of that it, it all came out for me where I started, it was a therapeutic process for me, really. I wanted to, d- to dig into why every time I would try a business thing, I would either A, surround myself with the wrong people, and I felt like I was getting taken, taken advantage of, or I would self-sabotage just when things were going well. And I wanted to figure out why that was happening. And it led me, again, back to you know, elementary school, back to where the core of who I was developed. And when I started to think about that and start to kind of break it down into like this idea, what it came down to me was self-worth. Right. I felt like I wasn't worthy of any of this stuff because even though I was 
what I would say was successful. I quit my corporate gig 1230106 and I haven't had a real job since. I felt successful in that sense, but I still wasn't happy because I wasn't doing what I wanted to. I was still just doing whatever to, to keep making it. And so when I sat down and really got down to that and I started kept saying like, it's all about my worth, it's all about my worth. I just literally said, okay, I'm just gonna rebuild this thing and figure out what to start with. So I said, what is a unicorn in the Google, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought it's gonna come back with some mystical creature or whatever, whatever. And it didn't, it came back with, a unicorn is a privately held company worth a billion dollars. And I thought, holy cow, there it is. Because who doesn't want to feel like a billion dollars? So billion dollar you is what started. I started to develop this idea. And so you present it like it's a university. And our mascot is a unicorn. Of course. <laughs> so you're trying to capture the unicorn, right? With sprinkles. With sprinkles, right. <laughs> and so it is this idea of... If you, were, if you took the time to value yourself worth a billion dollars, I'm sure you'd treat yourself a whole lot different. But a lot of times it starts with all the stuff you forgot when you were a kid. So the questions I ask is like, what would happen if Shannon, when she was you know, in third grade, really wanted to be a dancer? <laughs> and you're doing now a job that you're like... There's a story there. Right. Oh, maybe, oh, I won't tell it today. Oh, sweet. <laughs> It involved Mexican food and margaritas. <laughs> That's great. That sounds like a great story. <laughs> anyway. But you, so if it was that you want, and you're working a job like a lot of people out there that you're stuck, you got a mortgage, you got a family, you can't do anything about it and you're miserable. What would happen if one day a week you danced? You went back to being a kid before they told you the color inside the lines where you just grabbed that crayon and scribbled like crazy, right? So a lot of what I do with adults and what Billion Dollar You is, how can we go back in and remind you of all the things you forgot? Mm -hmm. You forgot your dreams. Okay, cool. That's easy enough. Let's talk about it. And how can we start building those into your life? It's not quit your job and do whatever you want from now on. It's how can we go back into this and add sprinkles onto your life that make you fulfilled? Now, side effect of that will be it'll start a wave in your life and you'll start to you'll start to attract, you know, I believe totally in the law of attraction stuff. You'll start to attract the right things and the right people and all those things will happen. So don't be surprised if eventually you do end up maybe not quitting your job to be a professional dancer, but there is something that I think a lot of people wish that they would do with their life. And especially it seems like for me, most of my friends and people I know, it comes around to my age where you start to go like, I don't know if it's the fact that 40, you're like, all right, well, this is reality now, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> figure out what's up. <laughs> right. And, uh, so, you know, I think that's the, what it all is kind of start to do. Like it's start, it's all coming together right now. Now the nice part about all the other stuff is that, you know, I, this Neil Gaiman thing I read one time, he said, you know, you're doing it right when you throw all the bottles in the ocean and then they all start to come back. Mm-hmm problem for me is they all started coming back at once. So all the kids <laughs> books started going, all the speaking stuff started going, and then the adult stuff started going. And it's like, when you're a one man band, it's hard to keep the plate oh, spinning, right? <laughs> well, and, and one thing that I want to pause is, and, and point out is, at least this has been true for me, and I don't know if this will resonate with anyone else, but once I started to scratch the surface of really finding, rediscovering, let's say, the magic in my own life, and really being brave enough and, and getting rid of enough of the fear to kind of pursue, um, what I want to do, just what do I, not just 
what do I want to do? But believing that I have something important to say, when I started pursuing that, the things that I previously pursued as the mundane and not being magical actually became more magical. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, I never really considered motherhood or being a wife or taking care of my house or taking out the garbage or, well, let's face it. I don't do that. (laughs) That's man's work, (laughs) but, um, I'm just kidding. My husband's here somewhere. He would probably laugh. He does. He's faithfully takes out the trash every weekend, but, um, just the everydayness of life, you know, it would be easy for me to view that as, well, that's not unicorn quote unquote in my life because it's mundane and it sucks and it's just the ins and outs of life. But what I've actually found is I find more beauty and, um, sparkle and those things when I've become more willing to pursue my truest heart's desire for my life. Like Mm -hmm. all of it becomes brighter and more colorful Mm -hmm. to use sort of like the, you know, unicorn language, if you will. And I know it almost sounds too, um, like, uh, Pollyannish or, you know, like, well, yeah, right. That's way too fluffy, but I have found it to be super real for me. Yeah. Really real for me. I think, you know, it, it kind of goes back to like a lot of people when you start to believe in yourself or even take that chance, a lot of people go like, yeah, but nobody understands my situation and nobody gets this. Well, the truth is, is that everybody knows pain. Yeah. Everybody does. And you think that you're struggling and nobody's going to get me because whatever, whatever. And you make up this BS story in your head about all the reasons why you can't do it because nobody gets this and nobody will do this and nobody whatever. And you realize that like when you start to believe in those things like you're just talking about, and you start to be willing to tell other people and to share like, hey, this this might sound crazy, but I want to write books or I want to do this. You'll find that out of the blue, people will start showing up just because you started to share or you'll get other people go like, yeah, I know what that felt like. I can't help you, but this person can, yeah. which is how we met, right? Yep. It's all this. This is how what I've learned over the last year was. When I literally sat down, I mean, I told my wife, I'm going to find a publisher. I had no clue. I went online and said, well, to get a book deal, you got to have a manager, you got to have an agent, you got to have this. I said, well, screw that. I'm not doing any of that. I'm going to go the flip and I'm going to just talk to people. And I just happened to talk to another like person about old school metal music. <laughs> what? Yeah. Where's this going? Twisted sister and stuff, right? <laughs> and it turns out she was scholastic and that's how I oh got my, my gosh. first book deal. That's crazy. Out of the blue. It was just a person standing like, I didn't know her from anybody else. Now she's a good friend. We talk still and all that stuff like this. But if once you're, once you're open to this idea of what it is that you want and you open your world up for magic and you believe the fluffy crap, I don't care. Like, you know, it is about believing that stuff because if you're seeing somebody that just like is constantly posting negative crap and they're usually sucked into politics and they're sucked into all this stuff. And then they bitch and complain why everything in their world just keeps going this way. And then you look at somebody that's super optimistic and kind of goes, and all of a sudden like everything just kind of seems like it falls in their lap. It's like they're experiencing two different worlds that are going on at the same time. Exactly. (laughs) And they think, well, that's, that's them. That's not me. Well, no, it's you. You're, you're bringing your stuff to your life. You know, you're getting what you're seeing because what's happening is that person that's being, you know, stuck in, in their own BS rolling in their head, all the good shit's passing by. You're just not paying attention to it. What's fascinating to me is there's actually some 
neuroscience around this. Mm -hmm. And that is this. I'm probably not going to say this very sciencey. Okay. That's cool. It's a new word, but our brains want to be right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So it matters what we think about. It matters what we tell ourselves because our brains want to be, they want to prove our brains want to say, okay, this is correct. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if we start viewing the world negatively and woe is me and Charlie Brown in it every day, What's going to happen is our brain will actively look for circumstances and proof in our environment. Mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter is, is proof exists in the world that the world is crappy Mm -hmm. and that the world is beautiful and sublime, right? But whatever we believe is what our brains grab onto. I mean, this is like, they've proven this scientifically, but the reverse is also true. If we show up in the world where where we believe, like I come from the belief that Every human being I come into contact with is holy. And I don't mean that in a religious sense. Mm-hmm. What I mean is like, like there is inherent goodness in all of creation, mm-hmm. right? Things and people. That, that means I show up in a general respect to everybody, regardless of what they believe, what they think, who they are, what color their skin is, what, what church they go to, or if they don't go to church, that when I show up that way, what ends up happening is I meet a lot of really good people. Yeah. Because my brain is looking for proof that there's goodness in everybody. Mm-hmm. And as a result, that's the kind of people that are around me. Yeah. Now, if I thought everybody around me was a bunch of jerks, guess what? I'm going to start meeting a bunch of people that are jerks because yeah. my brain is going to gravitate towards that. That's what's so fascinating to me about neuroscience. Yeah. And what you're doing in essence is helping people kind of change their, shift their gaze yeah. to something that it's not just positive thinking. It, it's way beyond that. It's right. this embracing of a new way of thinking that is, like I said, not positive thinking, but um, giving yourself the permission to feel mm-hmm. what it feels like to attain that dream. Yeah. And that's the difference between just white knuckling a positive thought and actually like feeling that you've already accomplished oh, yeah. it before you have. Yeah. I totally became a quantum science nerd. So I'm, you're speaking my language right yeah. now. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I could totally nerd out on yeah. it. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. So, um, we've talked about billion dollar you. Mm-hmm. Do you say billion dollar you? Yeah. Okay. I want to make sure I get that right. And is there a launch date? Is this in process now? Is it launched? Yeah, what, I, what does this look like for us adults? It'll, it'll be like officially, I guess, launched. My goal is that, what is it? Is this April? Yes. Yeah. Well, it was supposed to be April. Um, So probably uh, my goal would probably be like the end of this month, like to get it. It'll be um, billiondollaru.com or jasontharp.net. Is this a program? Yeah. So it'll start out like mostly when you go to it, it'll look mostly just like a speaking thing. Okay. And then, um, you know, do a lot of like speaking engagements with like companies and things and kind of come and do like little workshoppy kind of things, stuff like that. So it'll look like that. But my goal will be to build it out into, so you have Wonderville Studios, which is like my kids stuff and it'll stay there. And it's going to be kind of morphed into a thing called Wonder Friends, where it's going to have how to draw videos and all that stuff for kids. Oh, sweet. And then the Billion Dollar You stuff will be focused solely on adults. But a little spoiler, it's really the same stuff. Yeah. You know, <laughs> aging up. Um, no, listen, listen. Yeah. A good friend of mine who works at L Brands. Yeah using an underwear analogy mm-hmm. said, if you find something that sells, yep. drive a Mack truck through it. Yep. In other words, just iterate it for different audiences yep. because it's, it, it, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. And trust me, us, us adults need to hear these things for the, sure. The adults that I, when I do speaking things, they draw the same unicorns kindergartners. <laughs> I swear. Mine would be worse. I swear to you. <laughs> we, I stand up there and we, I make them draw the same thing that I have kindergartners draw. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's amazing. Well, before we go, Jason, yeah. tell people how they can get a hold of you. Website, socials, yeah. an email, however, how would you like people to connect with you? So there's there's one way is wonderfulstudios.com. That's just kind of like the author stuff. I have uh, an apparel line with which is all the unicorn stuff and everything like that. It's yourdreamlivehere.com, which will be, it kind of houses all of the merch, merch. And books and all that stuff like that is there. And then um, eventually billiondollaru.com jasonpep.net will be the adult stuff but wonderfulstudios.com is the uh, easy way to kind of connect to all of them and then it's the same uh, Instagram as Wonderful Studios and with Billion Dollar U and uh, Twitter same thing Billion Dollar U wonderfulstudios.com yep. I want to make sure we link that in the description okay awesome well thank you so much for joining yeah, us again thanks. on the SOP class it's been yeah. really fun yeah absolutely thanks <laughs>